Hello, and welcome to the Tap Market Podcast. I'm your host, Troy Scarborough. I'm an entrepreneur who has started, acquired, and more importantly, is focused on growing companies. In this podcast, you'll hear from entrepreneurs about how they got their start, what their company is about, what has worked for them to get to this point, and how they plan to build their brands. Expect to find actionable tactics that you can use to grow your business and get motivated to get through the grind into a meaningful entrepreneurial outcome that will change your life. I'm thrilled to have you here. Be sure to follow us on YouTube and Instagram at Tap Market, and let me know if you've been listening to the podcast. I love connecting and hearing from you. All right, let's get to it. Hey guys, this is Troy from Tap Market. I'm here with Daniel Lindsay today from Limitless Fulfillment. Daniel, thanks for coming on the podcast. Really excited to talk about your story because it's a little different for the audience today. We're talking about third-party logistics with an entrepreneur who started and owned and operated and still owns and operates a few physical products brands as well. Daniel, thanks for coming on. Good to have you here. Hey, yeah, Troy. I'm excited to be here and uh, thanks for the, the invite. Limitless Fulfillment is really just focused, like you said, on serving e-commerce brands. And since that's my background, I saw quite a few gaps in the market where I could better serve brand owners. And that's where we started about three years ago. And we've been growing ever since. It's really focused on helping the either small or large e-commerce brand owners take fulfillment off their plate so they can focus on the more important aspects of being a true owner and like CEO mindset of their business, not packing orders in their basement or garage each day. So it's been awesome to see the brands I'm working with grow over time. I like that. As a physical products good brand owner myself with Forrest and Harold and LawnServe, I know the importance of getting your time back. I think everybody who starts a company goes through that period of I'm picking and packing in my house. It's taking over my dining room, my garage. Maybe you level up to a storage facility or a small warehouse and you're doing this every single day, every night, every weekend. And it gets to be a part-time job in and of itself, just the picking and packing. And as an entrepreneur, you're always balancing what's the highest value work that you can offer to the business versus saving money and every other aspect of operating this business. And there gets to be that point where you have to lay off the mundane tasks that aren't helping grow the business and start focusing on those other pieces that will get there. You sort of come at this from a unique way because you started businesses, and maybe you can talk a little bit about this, started businesses, started to do the fulfillment and started basically, I think, just doing it for other people as a way to save money or amortize the cost of picking and packing across the board. And then it spiraled into its own full-time business for you. So maybe you can talk a little bit about that. Yeah, of course. So my first real experience with the fulfillment type stuff was in a basement. I was living in my brother's basement with my first e-commerce brand that took off back in 2016, 2017. And we were packing up orders in the basement, had my brother-in-law helping me. And then it evolved from having that experience where I got a, a day job in the fulfillment industry. It was there for three years. And then I launched another e-commerce brand that took off and I knew I'd need my own fulfillment services. So that's when I launched Limitless Fulfillment at the same time as one of my main e-commerce brands. And we started taking on clients right from the get-go. It was initially out of my buddy's basement for the first few months, just doing my products, even doing a couple of my clients' products out of my buddy's basement. From my network and different masterminds I was in, they were like, yeah, if you want to do mine, that's great. And then that evolved to getting our own warehouse in 2019, late 2019, moved in 2020 
where we've just grown from there. So been able to hire out a team to take that off of my plate, take that off the plates of my clients. And, you know, like you said, there's a lot of tasks that are way more valuable than packing orders. I think there is some value in making sure you think through and work through how you want things packaged, the premium aspect, make sure your customers are having the unboxing and receiving process that they want. But that's where I feel like my value is because with my background in e-commerce, I understand that I can pass that understanding along to my team to ensure that the vision you have set for your products are put into your own packaging and shipping. And so it's been a lot of fun. It's been a fast two and a half years and going from, I think we maxed out about 3,000 shipments a month in my buddy's basement to about 30,000 shipments a month during the Q4 peak. So, Is there a point at which you think that it makes sense for a new company to really start to think about utilizing 3PL? Is it a number of shipments? Is it an amount of time? Is it a certain amount of cost savings with the shipping suppliers? When should somebody start looking at this? Yeah, so that varies pretty widely based on each individual client, what their needs and their vision for the company are, right? Obviously, there are some expenses involved with using a 3PL right out of the gate that if you have that budget that you can allocate towards that. I do have quite a few clients coming on board that are like pre-launch. And then as the products are manufactured, we arrange the freight to come straight here and we ship out their initial launch orders and move on from there. Other people do the first few hundred orders themselves, get things kind of dialed in and then hand it over to me. So I think the biggest question is, is how aggressive you're being with the growth and how fast you want to streamline that process. And obviously moving right into perfecting the process with a 3PL like us, early on is going to make that growth more seamless and a lot smoother over time. When we looked at 3PL, one of the key determining factors for our utilization was I was still so small that it made sense to go with the 3PL because even though they marked up the shipping costs, right? So essentially what we pay for, and you can correct this at being an industry expert, please do so I don't mislabel this, but we pay for lack of technicality, we pay for picking, packing, and the cost of shipping, whether it be with USPS, DHL, UPS. And then we also will pay, in some cases, storage fees to keep products at the 3PL. For us, the decision was really more so around, we didn't have buying power with USPS or UPS or DHL or any of these entities. And we were almost able to offset the costs in a way that it costs us the same to use the 3PL as it was to just ship the products ourselves. When you put the pick and pack fees and the postage fees all together, it was very close to the same amount as if I were to ship it myself. And that was kind of when we were like, we have to do this because that the time it's going to get back is going to be worth it. Even if we're managing stuff in the portal, you know, sending out products to influencers or whatnot through the portal and doing those other things that are sometimes nice to have in inventory in-house. Is that sort of an accurate portrayal or how would you how would you adjust that for people maybe not using 3PL today? Yeah, so that's going to be pretty case by case as well. We're finding that when the items are a bit heavier where I have like my negotiated and discounted UPS rates or FedEx rates, that's where we're able to see some bigger savings for the clients. USPS just went through a really big industry changing price update on October 1st. 
they used to have negotiated rate cards for all sorts of different brokers that allow 3PLs to get majorly discounted rates based off volume. And there's 5 to 10% savings on USPS, which we could then charge our clients like the commercial rates and we're still making markup on the shipping. Well, USPS threw that under the table, completely off the table. And now everyone's on a pretty standard rate. So USPS, small parcel items, there's not as much room there where we're going to be saving clients money on that per se. But in terms, like I said, like UPS rates or FedEx rates, um, DHL Express, if you're going international, that's where the negotiated rates that 3PLs are able to get can really massively benefit the clients. And like you said, sometimes if clients have like a lot of storage, that can definitely offset the initial price savings because they'll be like, hey, we've got 10 pallets, we're shipping 50 orders a month. I'm like, well, if you have a place that's rent-free right now, like your garage, you're not going to be able to save money shipping me 10 pallets and having me store it, right? I got to pay for my space and I have a monthly mortgage to pay for. I can't just hold it with products that are not moving. So that's kind of the conversation we go through with the clients. Like, How fast is your turnover rate? How quickly does your inventory burn through? And how much space do you really need here? And then we work with them to kind of optimize forecasting so that they're keeping you know, a good inventory in-house, but not so much that they're losing money on paying excess storage fees each month. And what other sort of ancillary items do you manage at Limitless? I know others will manage the returns process, for instance. They'll integrate with Amazon fulfillment and not just do Shopify fulfillment. So can you talk about some of those other ancillary services that obviously every entrepreneur is dealing with but could layer off to a 3PL. Yeah, for sure. So one of the big ones is like FBA kitting, right? So we'll have products in stock here that are not prepped or labeled properly for Amazon's requirements. So we'll get requests to ship 500 units of SKU XYZ into Amazon. We'll get them all prepped, get them barcoded, and then ship those into Amazon for them. So we can offer that service. We do custom kitting. Uh, Let's say you have a kit that's really popular where it's like supplement with a fat burner and then a little shaker bottle or whatever whatever you have there and then in the custom box that it goes in. So we'll do kitting for our customers' needs and requests. We do direct to retail as well sometimes. So if you need like freight, if you need to coordinate from your manufacturer to our warehouse, from your manufacturer to some other place, we can help broker freight deals. I've been able to find some very competitive rates on freight. It's not a huge focus, mainly just as our clients need it, we offer that. And yeah, so pretty much anything the clients are are wanting or needing, we're able to take care of there. I mean, occasionally we can uh, help them source custom packaging. Most of the time, we'll just make an introduction there. Like, again, that's where my background in the e-commerce world really helps because I've got that network of all these suppliers on boxing and products and agencies on even marketing that if you're struggling in a certain area, I can connect you with that person because my whole focus is the more products that my clients are shipping and the more successful that they are, the more money we're making, the more successful that we are. So I'm really doing whatever I can to help my clients be successful as well. So Yeah, I like that. One of the other ones for us was return management. It was just, you know, there's going to be a percentage of your business that if you're in a any sort of commoditized product, physical yep. product, you know, we have wallets at Forest and Herald as an example. And it's a percentage of them get returned. And that's a feature that we offer to people. And so having somebody help receive all of those and manage those in terms of those, is that something that you guys will do as well? Yeah, yeah. And you did mention that, sorry. But yeah, we do we do returns as well. Like you said, certain products and industries have a lot higher return rate than others. Obviously, lower returns are better for everybody. But yeah, we are able to handle returns for you as well. It's a pretty uh, kind of standard process. A lot of systems 
you know, because everyone's on different systems on their side, there's no one good system that we can push back. Like, here's your return information that works on everybody's platform, right? So we'll typically just have a dedicated Google spreadsheet we'll share with you. If you get a big batch of returns, we'll update every all the information about that, like why it was returned, if we can tell, was the product used or opened? Is it able to be restocked? Go through that whole process, then notify your customer service team so that you're then able to refund the customer or do whatever you need to do on your side to make sure that customer is getting taken care of. Because a lot of times we'll get returned to sender because the address was wrong mm. and they'll just need to update the address and we can reship that. So we work on that for sure. It's a big part of a big customer service push. When you're doing big volume, it does add up to be a lot of shipments sometimes. Even 4 or 5% is a lot. Are there any technologies that you see people using more than others? I know we use loop returns, which the nice part about that is that it's very self-service for the customer. So the customer can for good or bad reasons, right? It's good because it's self-service and the customer can go in there and create their label and send it in. And we don't have to put a lot of customer service resources around returning a product. We've just made it easy because we find value in working with us to be easy. But are there any other technologies you see people using out there? You know, I think a lot of them have stayed pretty old school in terms of just email, phone support, chat support, and this become manually processed. A lot of the ones that I'm aware of so do that as long as you can, people, and save money. <laughs> yeah. Invest it in growth. Yeah. Automation, though, like you said, like if Loop's not too expensive or any automation software, I'm a big believer in automation and reducing the amount of hours and human error that is in that process. So if that's good, I, I just took a note on Loop. I'll check it out. Maybe it'll become one I start recommending to, to clients if they're asking as well. Yeah. I know it's been able to integrate into 3PLs too. So awesome. Yeah. I'll have to check that out for sure. Yeah. You mentioned. Packaging and stuff too. That's all really good. I think that's low-hanging fruit for people. You know, they should know that most 3PLs will allow you to use customized packaging. We use poly mailers a lot because we're in that luckily under one pound range for the majority of our wallet shipments, which is the most economical. Yeah, and, and probably it comes in like a real durable case. So you don't have to really have like a real protective outer case. The poly mailer is able to do the job, which is yeah. my uh, ideal client. We've helped products be sourced for clients even from either overseas or locally. And I always go through that thought process with them. I'm like, if you're able to build this in a box or kit this in a box initially that can withstand shipping, we can slide it in a 10 cent poly mailer versus a 30 cent bubble mailer or a dollar box. So it saves a lot of money over time. And thinking of that stuff ahead of times can really save you lots of money down the road. Yeah. Do you guys have any co-marketing offerings? So tapped market, obviously. One of our our core features is working with these entrepreneurs and making introductions. And we're big believers in co-marketing, working with other brands in their warm audiences to get reach. When we do our own fulfillment of products, we'll literally put a card in the actual shipment. We have upsell cards that go in to our Forest and Herald ones, as an example. And it'll offer, you know, hey, come back and buy another product for 25% off. Just continuously trying to get more lifetime value out of our existing customers. But we've also done co-marketing where we'll put inserts into those packages for similar value-add brands to get them exposure. And sometimes we'll offer to do the co-marketing with them. So we'll send them inserts of our brand, Forrest and Herald, going to another company they pack Force and Herald inserts. We pack inserts for their company in ours. Do you guys offer that as a service or is that something 
you see people doing? Yeah, I've actually never seen that specifically done in, in product inserts. We do product inserts all the time, right? Whether that's during the kitting process or during the final packaging process, we drop a business card, a postcard insert, whatever in the packaging. But that, I really like that co-marketing idea. You could definitely see where these brands that are one or two products that don't have a ton of horizontal scalability with their existing customer base can help promote another brand and in return expand their customer base just for an exchange of services. And I, so that's a really cool idea. I don't see any reason why we wouldn't be able to support that, right? As long as both brands are in agreement and we get those inserts, we can stick them in the package, no problem. So Yeah, maybe we'll have to give it a try. I know your two brands would probably align with Forrest and Harold in our, our modern man focus. Mm-hmm. You know, maybe we can do some exchange with Daniel owns Recon and and then Beacon Outfitters is the one focused on the emergency preparedness, like 72-hour kits and soon to getting into some of that like emergency food storage stuff. And then yeah, then Majestic's Cornhole. For those people that love playing like some tournament grade cornhole, it's it's a pretty wild world that I had no idea existed before a year ago. So there's some very expensive cornhole bags and boards out there, fair warning. <laughs> I grew up in Michigan and I've grew up playing cornhole. We called it bags back in the day, but addicted to the game myself. I made my own custom boards that oh, I nice. have here. Michigan football boards, actually. But yeah, it would be fun. I'll, I would do that with you. We try to do that as frequently as we can because it's it's essentially real estate, right? Oh, yeah. Inside your captive audience, those shipments. Oh, yeah. Yeah, I definitely can't see it hurting. It's always good to get more customers because especially when they're not really competing brands, right? People are going to buy a wallet and people might, you know, you know, buy some emergency preparedness items. You know, they're not really comp- competing with one another. So, yep. no reason that we can't all win. Exactly. Printing a little business card type insert is so cheap and so cost effective with a, a captive audience. It's really a, a no brainer, especially if you can put some sort of offer with it. A discount code is great, you know, with a QR code, link to a landing page, sales page to get conversions. That's all great. But if you can do, I've got a friend, Drew, who does has a supplement brand called Tedco, the Epic Dad company. He has a pre-workout and he does a free plus shipping offer. So his card insert is free plus shipping. Come pick up some samples of pre-workout and a shaker bottle. And you know we'll send you that. All you have to do is cover the shipping costs. It's a pretty compelling offer to somebody versus... Here's 25% off when you land on the on the landing page. So if people get creative, that's probably the best way to, to attack that. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Creating some sort of no-brainer or irresistible offer where they're like, yeah, I might as well. Like, what I got to lose, right? Like, I'd probably use that or I'd probably find that of interest. Like, if you can dial it in where you're at least building up your own list and sharing that with others, like the easiest way to scale and then even if you're monetizing later right it's just a front-end offer have you noticed anything with regards to shipping rates across the country i know over covid the shipments from china and from overseas were just egregious i've noticed that some of those have started to come down because you're receiving this stuff directly but i don't know if you've got your hands on any of the the payment processing or or whatnot when it comes to getting stuff from overseas how does it work for you guys first, maybe with receiving shipments from China or from overseas? And how are the costs? Yeah, so I used to be a lot heavier in receiving product from overseas, but now like my entire cornhole company is all US made. And then a lot of the beacon items are US made or we already have enough inventory that we haven't placed an order for a while. But with our clients, they'll typically handle all of it unless we're brokering that shipment. 
then then we have our hands on those rates, right? So it definitely was pretty outrageous at one point. You know, I have a buddy that's $100 million a year e-commerce brand and their cost of their containers 10x during COVID. They went from like 3500 for a container to $30,000 per container. And so that actually pretty much forced them to completely shut down their $100 million company because all their margin got eaten up by their shipping costs coming in, in from China. And they couldn't sell it at a higher price point in a profitable way. So definitely affected a lot of brands. All the rates like UPS, FedEx, USPS, all of them are currently under a holiday peak surcharge. So that doesn't help anybody. But they're set to go down again in January. I think the recession or whatever we're facing in the economy right now will help reduce the demand for a lot of this transportation services and should level it out. I don't think it'll ever go back to like pre-COVID prices, but hopefully level it out to a more reasonable price that we can build it into our businesses a little more successfully than we've been doing for the last year or so. Yeah, I think you'll also see that this economic recession that we're probably hitting a little bit will turn away some of these other competitors. I think you're going to see some of the over-levered companies hit hard times and maybe not reopen back up. Or you might see some overseas companies that found the US market lucrative before, but just have to pull back. Yeah. It's definitely going to mix some things up, right? I, I think on one side, it'll those companies that were scratching by with really minimal profits just aren't able to maintain that any longer. But on the other side, people see this recession as a time they're like, I need to start working on that side business that I, I've always talked about doing. Like I need to have an additional source of income and build something for myself. And that's what I'm seeing a lot with, you know, I actually coach and consult with some students in the e-commerce field. And that's what they're all kind of have that real hard push. Now they're seeing the writing on the wall and they're like, okay, you know, times are good for the last couple of years. That's probably when they should have done it. But now they're kind of feeling the pressure a little, a little harder. So it's interesting to see, you know, there's some really, really big brands that have been built during recessions, right? It's just a matter of, choosing the right industry to, to target. Oh, Yeah. As a service company, how are you primarily getting your customers? Yeah. So right now we're probably 95% referral based. We're part of a 3PL network that if we receive clients that we can't service properly, like maybe let's say it's a clothing company with a thousand SKUs, I'm just like, there's no way I want to deal with that in my warehouse. That's just not how we're built to handle that. But there are 3PLs out there that are focused on apparel, right? So we'll refer them into the network. The network will then get them partnered with the ideal 3PL and vice versa. So if there's other ones that they're getting, they're referring them to us. Or just for my network, I've been in e-commerce for close to 10 years now. So I've got people coming out of the woodwork just all over like, oh, hey, this guy's looking for fulfillment services here. Just talk to him. So I just get a lot of word of mouth fulfillment there. Plus... A lot of the ones that are finding us on like Google are Utah companies that like the idea of having a local fulfillment company. So it's kind of a, a handful of each way. The The cold outreach has been very unsuccessful for us. And it's hard to just reach out to a brand and be like, hey, do you want to mix up everything with your shipping and fulfillment and move it to a new place unless we're saving them just a ton of money? So finding business clients is a lot different than e-commerce customers. So Yeah. In business to business, I feel like you can really focus on providing that great service to your existing customers and the entrepreneurs are hanging out with each other as much as they can. And if someone like yourself and Limitless serve them well, you're going to get the referrals directly from those customers. And those are going to be the best referrals that you can get because they're likely going to have similar style or size companies 
and you were successful with them, you're likely going to be successful with their peers. That totally makes sense. Yeah. Yeah. Referrals like any industry, right? If someone loves even an e-commerce product and they tell their buddy or their mom or something like, hey, you got to get one of these. Like that's the fastest way that e-commerce companies blow up too, is having an amazing product or service, knocking it out of the park for them, serving them with everything you've got, and then just knowing that it'll pay off kind of a more long-term game. We also do like a referral program. So if people refer clients to us, they can earn up to you know, like five grand, I think is where it's at right now, once the client starts to ship volume. so That's great. What kind of integration technology should somebody expect for utilizing Limitless? Do we just app into the app store on Shopify or do we have a, a custom app that we just connect on the back end? How does that work? Yeah, so I've actually spent probably 30, 40 grand on different softwares. One of them was 20 grand that I literally walked away from because it didn't serve our needs. Kind of got sold on the front end and didn't really work out how they said. So we use ShipStation, which has a built-in app with Shopify. And then anything else, we're able to make it work pretty much. You know, Whether it's WooCommerce or Amazon or Etsy or custom API, we're able to make that work across the board. So that's, I mean, ShipStation, anybody can use that. Literally every e-commerce store can use that. That's an extremely well-known integration. So no one should feel left out with that for sure. Yeah, that's where it's hard to switch to maybe some of these newer, cheaper or other alternatives is they just don't have the integration capabilities like ShipStation. So where do you go from here? What's next on your roadmap? Is this just a a customer growth story? Is this a open another location? Is this offer different services? What's next? Yeah, so one of the biggest price savings would be for my clients is once I have like more of an East Coast or more central facility. So that's kind of the next growth facility plan is expand across the country. There's also a, a larger warehouse being built behind us that we're looking to acquire. So more space, more clients and expansion across the country is really the next logical steps for growth. But I'm being a little more particular now with the clients that I choose to work with. I want brands that are going to be long-term. They're not just some fly-by-night product that's going to be super hot for a month or two, and then I'm going to be left with their stuff for six to eight months. Even though they're paying storage, they're stagnant, and I'm not making the shipping or fulfillment or any other money on them. Right. So finding those right partners that I enjoy working with, I find their brands interesting. I enjoy seeing them be successful, being part of my kind of network and helping them grow. Like that's I want to have fun with it too. I don't want to just be in it just to make the money. I want to build out a network of cool people to work with that have awesome brands that are serving and helping people and do my part on the 3PL and fulfillment side to make their life easier, right? And make it easier for them to be successful. Yeah, I think that's absolutely right. And you'll continue to serve them and you'll continue to get tons more clients from doing that and expanding will be just helpful. You guys are nicely kind of centrally located now where I bet you can get pretty close to two-day shipping everywhere, if not everywhere already, right? Yeah. So like if we're priority, we're pretty much two-day everywhere, maybe three-day to like Florida or Maine or like real far out there, right? Even first class, we'll see first class shipments in Florida after three days sometimes. So that's the, the interesting thing with some of these services. You know, they might say five days, but you're seeing average is like 3.2 days. And so as long as the shipping channels and stuff aren't backed up in terms of the trucks and hubs and all that, we're able to serve people pretty well. Yeah. That's awesome. What's a good call to action for people? Do you have people follow you on on social media? If somebody was interested in learning maybe more specifically their needs, should they go to the website and fill out a form to set up a call? What's a good call to action for the audience if you've piqued their interest here in 3PL? Yeah, for sure. Well, I think the first call to action, if the idea of getting fulfillment off your plate is intriguing, you can see the value in focusing your time elsewhere, then apologize for that noise. I've got 
uh, office build out construction been going on for six months when the timeline was initially uh, 10 to 12 weeks. Hopefully it's not too bad. It's good. But go to limitlessfulfillment.com. You could fill out a little onboarding form. Tell us a little bit about yourself. We jump on a quick 15-minute exploration call and I can make sure we're a good fit. I don't want to take you on if I'm not going to help you save money or make you free up time that's going to help you be successful, right? So we jump on that call. It might just be me telling you you're not the best fit right now, but let's chat in like three months from now, right? Or I could refer you to maybe someone else that better fits your specific needs. If you're not a product we maybe feel comfortable handling or we know someone else can do better, I'm not afraid to connect you with people that'll best serve you because there's no point in me not serving you to the best of the ability out there. And so like, I don't want any bad reviews or bad experiences. So if we can't serve you, I'm not afraid to push you over to somebody else that can better serve you as well. I will double down on that and recommend the similar outcome in you know, going there, getting this free consult. It is not committing you to working with Limitless Fulfillment. It's just a conversation with Daniel, who's had a ton of experience as both an entrepreneur of physical products, goods in the space and running 3PL to just understand how this is going to be a fit for you because everyone is different. So whether you're shipping a product that's four ounces, like one of our wallets, or we have a, a lawn care company that sends products that are up to 50 pounds and over as well. Those are two extremely different companies and different requirements, different storage needs, different partnerships between UPS and USPS and all of these different nuances. And so we can broad brush a lot in our first call here with Daniel and Limitless. But at the end of the day, you're really going to want to know how this helps you. So jump on a call figure out what's going to be a good fit for you. Do it early. Don't do it when you've decided you have to make the move. Do it, have the call, understand your needs, understand what you need to get to, understand what it's going to take to literally like gather all of your goods and send it off to the warehouse because it's not necessarily even just an easy task. It's a task that takes a lot of decision. So I would recommend everybody make that call, have that call. If you can't help them, it sounds like you also have a great network of people that you can refer to. So the consultation is going to be helpful across the board for anybody that's willing to, to set it up. So I appreciate that. Yeah, no, no, I appreciate that. Uh, it's a good reminder and the proper planning and forecasting, doing it now, even if you're a few months out, can save you a lot of money, right? Maybe you're going to say, okay, this first 100 unit batch that I'm fulfilling myself is coming to my house and I do it myself. But as soon as that's done, I want to have that relationship and everything set up with whatever 3PL I'm going to use so that as soon as I blow my launch out of the water and I have 5,000 more units coming in from the manufacturer, I'm not shipping them twice, right? I can ship them direct to a 3PL partner, save money on shipping and hit the ground running when you're ready to push full steam ahead. So just forecast, think big and I'm here to help however I can. I appreciate that. I'm sure the community will be reaching out momentarily to pick your brain further, but we'll have you back on here too. I believe in, in limitless fulfillment as a 3PL provider. That's why we've got you here. That's why we're having you talk to the community. We're going to continue to have you back and start to dig into some of these other concepts a little more strategically, a little bit further that people are dealing with in the logistics space. And we'll have you tell a little bit more about your stories on the companies that you own, operate, and run on a daily basis as well, because I think there's a lot of gold in there because those have been extremely successful. So I really appreciate you coming on today. We'll have you back and we'll, we'll keep this thing rolling.
Yeah, I look forward to uh, talking more about in the weeds a little more on the fulfillment side. And then obviously the brands are always fun. The actual products and e-commerce companies are probably a little bit more enjoyable for me and a little more fun. But the 3PL side's necessary as well. So got to kind of mix it all together. But yeah, I look forward to being back and helping people in whatever way I can. Thanks, bud. Thanks for coming on. We'll talk soon. Sounds good, Troy. Thank you. Hi there. If you found this podcast helpful, I would appreciate it if you took a minute to leave a review. This increases the reach to more entrepreneurs and other people interested in the products, brands, entrepreneurial stories, and their successes, so we can create even more positive small business outcomes. Take a screenshot, tag me in your social stories to friends. This means the world to me to know this podcast has influenced your day and life in a positive way, and that we get to be a part of your own journey. With gratitude from me, until next time, go make it a great day.